With New Orleans Saints voluntary OTAs coming to an end this week, it's the running backs that have the big opportunity to stand out. We got all of that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much as always. Make it Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget you can subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast and keep the conversation going one-on-one with me over at joinsubtext.com slash Locked on Saints. And as always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, your New Orleans Saints expert credential member of the media, senior writer and reporter over at Saints News Network, Sports Illustrated's fan nation site covering the New Orleans Saints. You can also find me every Tuesday on Locked on NFL and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked on Saints. In today's episode of Locked on Saints, brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on to get started. Today, on today's episode of Locked on Saints, we're previewing the final week of voluntary OTAs. Yes, there's mandatory mini camps next week, but this wraps up OTAs this week. So Tuesday will be the practice where we get to be present as New Orleans Saints media. So what are the things that we're looking for? We're taking a look at Derek Carr's connection with the wide receivers as he continues to build that out. Any progress with Nick Saldaveri, of course, would be good for the New Orleans Saints offensive line. But first, I want to start off with perhaps the position group that has the biggest opportunity this week to make big strides for themselves, and it's the running back position. Why is this the position that gets the real opportunity here as they close out OTAs? Well, when I spoke to Joel Thomas at the end of last Tuesday's practice, the New Orleans Saints running back coach, one of the things that he made apparent was that the Saints, over the course of the sort of week that had proceeded into this week, uh, a good portion of what they were going to be working on was expanding that third down package. And part of expanding the third down package means that the running backs get to catch a lot more passes. So maybe a little bit more we get to see on Tuesday of running backs running routes out of the backfield. I'm sure they were also implementing some of that last week, but do we get to see more of it this week? If so, that gives guys with some good pass catching acumen some opportunities to be able to show up for the New Orleans Saints running back spot. The biggest challenge, though, is going to be the fact that the Saints may be well, we'll definitely be without Kendra Miller. Kendra Miller not expected to be out on the field and fully participating until training camp. But could Eno Benjamin be back and get you know at the right time and get some more opportunities? He was on the sidelines, not participating or present, but not participating over the course of the first two weeks. But this is a guy that's caught 24, 25 passes in each of the last two years, caught 42 passes his last year with Arizona State as a Sun Devil, his final collegiate year. And a big part of what it is that the New Orleans Saints like about Edo Benjamin is his ability as a get him out in space, get him involved in the receiving game type of presence that he can have. Uh, one of the things that Joel Thomas and I talked about was that even though a guy like Eno Benjamin is not the same as a guy like Alvin Kamara. If you put a guy like Eno Benjamin in in place of Alvin Kamara, you don't have to change the playbook as much. If Kamara needs to be spelled for you know a game or spelled for a drive or spelled for a play, you don't have to come in with a whole new playbook. You can run the same concepts 
with Eno Benjamin, even if you don't get the same level of playmaker-ness that you've gotten out of Alvin Kamara throughout his entire career, which at this point, who's to say? The other person that I think that this really benefits is Kirk Merritt. Remember, Kirk Merritt is not a player that came into the NFL as a running back. He has been kind of cross-training as a running back. That process sort of began uh, last offseason during training camp, at least early on in training camp, before they eventually said, no, you're going back with the wide receivers. So now it's kind of happening in earnest. According to Joel Thomas, Kirk Merritt has spent his entire offseason and OTA so far in the running back room. So now you take the career wide receiver and say, okay, go and show us what you can do as a pass catcher out of the backfield. And that feels like a really natural way for him to start to separate himself from some of the other younger running backs, guys like Sir Roderick Thompson out of Texas Tech. And then, of course, Ellis Merriweather, who comes in as a UDFA as well. Those guys, maybe a little bit more run type players, power back type running backs, but have some capabilities in terms of being able to use their hands and being able to catch the football when asked, something you have to be able to do as a collegiate running back. So now is an opportunity for them to begin to separate themselves as well from being just guys that are UDFAs to being guys that could fit in the system because of the multitude of ways that they could contribute. And of course, the one player that you know this is going to benefit no matter what is Jamal Williams. New Orleans Saints running back, former uh, Detroit Lions running back. Before that, he was the Green Bay Packers running back. And his job with the Green Bay Packers was sort of to be the change of pace guy for Aaron Jones. He was a bit more of a pass catcher, catching more than 30 passes. And I believe each of those seasons, if not, if nothing else, the majority of his seasons with Green Bay. So you get him, you plug him in back into a system where he's going to be asked to catch passes. He's been working on it all offseason, catching a thousand passes a day, four days a week throughout his offseason training regimen. And now he's been catching some of those passes from Derek Carr during uh, OTAs. But now as that third down package begins to expand, he gets more and more opportunities to be able to show that he is. And this was something that he wanted, that he made sure that he spoke about and, and was really clear about during his introductory press conference, he wants to show people that he's not what they expect, that people think they know who he is as a, you know, um, as a uh, downhill runner, a short distance back, whatever it is. And he's intent on proving people, proving to people that he's more than that. And this would give him an absolute opportunity to be able to do that. So expect number 30 to be out there flashing. Hopefully we get to see a little bit of number 26 in Eno Benjamin. And then, of course, you have the UDFAs in Kirk Merritt that are going to be getting their run in as well. Wouldn't expect to see Alvin Kamara all of a sudden show up. I don't think Alvin Kamara has been a part of an OTA since like 2019, 2020. Obviously, no one was. 2021 was the year that people boycotted it. 2022, he wasn't there. 2023, he's not there. It's not surprising. He's a running back. There's no reason if you're running back on a big contract that you would be out there and put yourself at risk when it comes to voluntary OTA. So expect to see him at mandatory minicamps next week, which are set to be the 13th, 14th, and 15th. And remember, I will not be there. I'll be out of town for some things during that time, but I will make sure that we have somebody come through, join us on the show each of those days or however many days are open to the media to get all the updates that we need to know from OTAs. And of course, we'll continue to do our observations as well. But that's the first number one thing that we're looking at is voluntary OTAs come to an end uh, is sort of that third down running back package and how these running backs begin to separate themselves as receivers and route runners out of the backfield. 
which ends up having some good impact for who this team can be in 2023. Up next, we're going to take a look at the offensive line, and in particular, Nick Saldaveri. We saw a little bit of progress for him uh, going into the second week of OTAs. What do we see the third week, and what does it mean for the New Orleans Saints offensive line? We got that coming up for you as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. In today's episode of Locked on Saints, brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook and official sports betting partner of the NFL, the NBA, and of course, our official sports betting partner here on the Locked on Podcast Network. FanDuel is amazing. They have a great app that's safe, simple, super easy to use. It's secure. And as you go through and start winning all of your bets, you can do instant payouts as well. So you don't have to wait to hit like a certain amount or whatever before you can cash out. You're just able to cash out whenever you are ready. And you know you're going to want to do that because they give you so many opportunities to win, especially if you're a brand new customer. If it's your first time ever over at FanDuel, you can actually get a no sweat first bet of up to $2,500. That's bonus bets that come back to you if your first bet doesn't win, meaning that there's no losing when it comes to your first bet ever over at FanDuel. You want to get in on that, the NBA Finals, some early New Orleans Saints 2023 season odds. You can find all of it at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on because that'll help you get that no sweat first bet of up to $2,500 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Once again, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, make every moment more. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. New Orleans Saints rookie draft pick in the at the very top of the fourth round. Nick Saldaveri is dealing with a calf injury and has not been present at OTAs, but we did get a little bit of a glimpse of him week two. What we get to see from him week three could be imperative for the New Orleans Saints offensive line. We appreciate you as always making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget, if you want to continue the conversation with me, we can always do so over at joinsubtext.com slash Locked on Saints. I usually don't send stuff out over the weekends, but during the week, I'm hitting you up, sending you some stuff, asking you for questions and everything, including some uh, Q&As and stuff like that that we can do uh, together. So make sure you go and check that out, joinsubtext.com slash Locked on Saints for more information. All right, so... Um, as we look at the New Orleans Saints here and their offensive line going into the third week of voluntary OTAs, the tricky part on the on the offensive line is that they haven't really been present. There's been no Ryan Ramchick. There's been no Andrus Pete, no James Hurst. Um, you know, Cesar Reese has been present, but participating off to the side. Same thing for Trevor Penning. So really the only starting offensive lineman that has been present for New Orleans has been center Eric McCoy. And on the offensive line, we've seen Landon Young playing some left tackle. We've seen Storm Norton playing some right tackle. And then we've seen sort of Calvin Throckmorton and Lewis Kidd handling the interior offensive line at the guard spots. But one of the guys that we were hoping we would get a real opportunity to see early was Old Dominion University grad and New Orleans Saints fourth round selection. They traded up to the very top of the fourth round to be able to make this pick. Uh, in Nick Saldaveri. And we haven't been able to see him yet because he's dealing with a calf injury. It's unclear to as to when the calf injury took place, if it happened maybe during rookie mini camps after media wasn't present any longer, or if it happened maybe away from the facility or even at the facility while he's trying to get ready for OTAs, whatever it might be. But either way, he has not been present or rather he has been sidelined. He has not been able to participate. We did see him last Tuesday when practice was moved to the indoor facility. We started off in the outdoor facility. There's a lightning detector that goes off if you're outside. If you've ever gone to, you know, one of the open training camp practices or something like this, you may have had the unfortunate, the misfortune of this happening 
to where you get everybody out there and then a siren goes off and says lightning is detected. It detects lightning within like a 10 mile radius. And if there's lightning anywhere in there, if the siren goes off, everybody has to move inside. And so that's basically what happened to us. We were outside for a little while. Lightning detection went off. So we went inside. As we go inside and we're standing near the indoor practice facility sideline, we can see a cross basically in the back of the end zone near the weight room. Nick Saldaveri was out there doing, uh, you know, medicine ball work. He was doing, uh, he was doing some, I think either row or, 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 or bike stuff. He was kind of doing those battle ropes and all these other things. And so you kind of saw him getting some work in and he looked, looked pretty good. Didn't seem, didn't look like he was, you know, limping as he was walking from drill to drill or workout to workout, things like that. Didn't have to stop to get massaged or anything. So that was good to see, but now you just want to see, okay, well now can he get back out on the field? And this, the, when Dennis Allen was asked about the majority of the offensive line, the starting offensive line, not being present, the way that Dennis Allen kind of you know, work that. And and I think this is the right way to look at it is, well, then we get an opportunity to get a look at some of the young guys. And that's become important for the New Orleans Saints, not only in the offensive line, but even in the secondary, right? They haven't had Marshawn Lattimore, Paulson Adebo, and Bradley Roby also weren't there the second week. So you got to see Alante Taylor in the slot. You got to see Troy Pride Jr. and Isaac Yadam on the outside. You got to see some of the younger guys you want to have a look at. The same goes for the offensive line as well. Lewis Kidd, Calvin Throck, Morton, Landon Young, Storm Norton, getting an opportunity to look at either younger guys or newer faces in Storm Norton's case. But one of the young guys and new faces that you'd love to get a greater look at would be Nick Saldaberry. Uh, the hopes are really, really high around him. The Saints paid him above his scheduled payment in terms of his, you know, his, his draft slot and all these other things. So they're clearly confident in him as well. Uh, there's a clear confidence from him in terms of what he's able to do and how he can contribute. The Saints do see him as an interior offensive lineman, but it's going to be very interesting to see if they move him around. He played center for the first time at the Senior Bowl. Jim Nagy said he played that so incredibly well that he was uh, that he believed that center might actually be his best position, even though the only time he had ever played it was at the Senior Bowl. So there's a lot to Nick Saldaveri's versatility and a lot in terms of the ways that he'll be able to fit in with this New Orleans Saints offense. But boy, you'd love to start figuring that out sooner rather than later. So do we see him take a step forward to the point to where he's present and dressed, even if he's not participating in the voluntary OTAs? Because then that at least shows you progress. The hope is that he'll be ready for training camp along with guys like Michael Thomas and Trevor Penning and Cesar Ruiz and all of them. But if you start to see some progress from him early on, then hopefully that, you know, that just kind of solidifies the progress and the process for you. But it is good for the New Orleans Saints to get a look at some of these other depth pieces as well, because we have to imagine, and this is why this is also important. We have to imagine the Saints are going to deal with some injuries on the offensive line. Every NFL team is going to deal with injuries, especially in the trenches. There's so many micro hits, moments, fingers getting crammed and knees whacking and you know, ankles getting stepped on and like all these other things, toes getting stepped on. There's so many things that happen in that little area. Eyes getting gouged out if you're if you're um if you're uh you know Cam Jordan, for instance, during the Pittsburgh Steelers game last year. Like there's all of these pieces. And so getting a look at what your depth is and where your quality is behind your starters is massively important because I think the Saints know who their top six guys are going from left to right. It's your starters in Trevor Penning. It's Andrus Pete. It's well, mm, let me actually say that you probably know who their top seven guys are, if we're being honest, because yes, it's Trevor Penning, Andrus Pete, it's uh, Cesar Ruiz, it's um, you know, at center, it's Eric McCoy, and then it's Ryan Ramchek on the right side. But then you've got James Hurst and Nick Saldaveri there. You know that those are probably your top seven, top six 
players. And Andrus P, I listed him within the starting five because that's where he was last year. But they're not; they don't necessarily have to be married to Andrus P as a starter with Nick Saldaveri in the room. But you have to see Nick Saldaveri. You have to see James Hurst in order to really be able to make a decision like that. So really, what you're looking for is who are eight, nine, ten? Who are those guys on the field? Is it you know Lewis Kidd, who the Saints love and has done? spectacularly well with the opportunities that he's gotten. Is it Storm Norton, the young veteran that they went out and signed? And then after that, you've got guys like Landon Young and and Calvin Throckmorton and others that are fighting for one spot. Mark Evans, of course, the UDFA out of University of Arkansas Pine Bluff has to be part of that conversation as well. So there's a lot of different ways to, for the Saints to go on their offensive line. But the thing that becomes most important is actually getting to see these guys. So do we get to see maybe a little bit of indication of progress for Nick Saldaveri in week three of OTAs? That would be a good sign for the New Orleans Saints, even if he's not out there and participating. Coming up next, the reason why you want to get these guys healthy on the offensive line and figure out what you've got on the offensive line is because they're the ones that pave the way for not only your run game, but buy time for your quarterback to be able to connect with the wide receivers. And the connection between the quarterback and wide receivers is already underway when it comes to Derek Carr and the New Orleans Saints wideouts. That's going to be the last thing that we're going to point out today that we absolutely want to see when it comes to the third and final practice that's open to media for OTAs. And to Derek Carr, making some big time connections with his wide receivers. Got that coming up for you as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it, Houdat Nation. Wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints with our final what we want to learn about the New Orleans Saints offense for OTA practice It's going to be number seven, but it'll be open to media in terms of number three. So we'll get to see the beginning, the first practice of the third week of voluntary OTAs for the New Orleans Saints. That will then wrap up OTAs and they'll be in the mandatory mini camps next week, the 13th, 14th, and 15th. At least that's the schedule currently. So for the New Orleans Saints, one of the things that's been really impressive to watch so far throughout OTAs are really two of the players that have been most impressive to watch over the course of OTAs uh, that are not the quarterback uh, are uh, Chris Olave and and, and Rashid Shaheed. Right now, who you would consider to be the Saints' top two options at wide receiver. Michael Thomas will eventually be a part of that conversation. He's just not all over the field right now. They expect him to be ready for training camp, however. And really, even after Michael Thomas is out there in training camp, you still have to see him be healthy on the field before you're willing to say that he's a top option. And I think that for some for people that have that kind of hesitation, I get it. But don't, don't get it twisted. <laughs> if Michael Thomas is healthy and out on the field, he is your top option, whether you like it or not. And so... But right now, Chris Olave, Rashid Shahid, those are the guys. And I think that Derek Carr has done a great job so far building chemistry with both of them. And they've done it in a couple of different ways. Derek Carr has targeted Rashid Shahid all over the field, um, short, intermediate, deep, and has won at all three levels. Chris Olave, he gave a, a big pass on the first day of OTAs, huge pass downfield in the outside uh, facility or out, in the uh, outdoor field uh, that kind of hung up there for a little while. Gave Chris Olave an opportunity to go up there and try to make a play over Marcus May. Chris Olave did. He went up there, rose up high, won at the catch point, came down with it. Those types of moments buy you and, and build a lot of trust between you and your quarterback. Um, and that's what we want to continue to see when it comes to Derek Carr. And it's not just about Chris Olave and Rashid Shahid. It's A.T. Perry. It's Brian Edwards, who he already has a good connection with. It's James Washington, if he's back out there this week. He was not out there last Tuesday. Uh, it's Shaq Davis. It, it, it's all the wide receivers. Traquan Smith. Like you want to see Keith Kirkwood. You want to see 
Derek Carr start to build his connection or continue to build his connection in chemistry with every wide receiver, really every pass catcher possible. I'd throw Juwan Johnson, Foster Moreau, Lucas Kroll, Jesse James. I'd throw all of them in there as well, the Saints tight end group right now. And I think that all of that is 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 remarkably important for Derek Carr. Look, he's a good quarterback. And one of the things that you'll see and that you heard from Rashid Shahid is that he can put the ball anywhere and that he finds that really impressive. Like Rashid Shahid was kind of, you could tell he he had sort of this moment when he was asked about what, it's, what he likes about working with Derek Carr. He kind of had this moment where he's like, man, well, he can put the ball anywhere. Like it was almost surprising, not surprising, but it was really impressive, right? It was really impressive and, and, and clearly made an impression on Rashid Shahid. And those types of things are important. Uh, Chris Olave coming in at 192 pounds instead of 187. Rashid Shahid coming in at 185 instead of 180, showing their dedication to their craft. They wanted to get bigger. They wanted to get better. They wanted to be stronger this offseason. They're doing that. Derek Carr sees that work. Um, you know, you put up a pass for a guy downfield and allow him to go up there and make a play. He does make that play. Bam, more trust. You find yourself, find ways to get yourself open and short, intermediate, deep areas of the field and make the plays each time, including moments where you have to reach outside of your frame and snag, you know, a, a one-handed pass if you're Rashid Jaheed. That builds confidence, that builds chemistry, that builds trust. And so the more moments that you have where you can build that type of connection, that chemistry, that trust, that familiarity with one another, this player can do this, can do that, can't do that. The can't do that part becomes off to the side because you know what the player can do. So if the player can't do this certain piece, okay, well, that one's not a 50-50 ball guy, so I won't put him in 50-50 ball situations, but he can do everything else on the field. Trust right? As opposed to being focused on what that player can't do, what that player can't achieve, what that player is not as good at, everything becomes, here's where I can rely on that player. And the more areas of reliability that you have as a wide receiver that you can create for your quarterback, the more targets you get, the more opportunities you get, things like that. You think about Rashid Shahid, who started off with his two first touches in the NFL. And the first one was what? Against the Bengals, right? That, That Bengals game? Uh, so it was what, week six of the season? Because week seven was the next one, which was the Arizona Cardinals game. And so he he gets the the one touch that's the 57-yard jet sweep or the the 49-yard jet sweep that he he scores for a touchdown. Then he gets the 57-yard deep ball from Andy Dalton for a touchdown against the Arizona Cardinals. Touches the ball twice, scores two touchdowns. And then after that, kind of couldn't get the ball, <laughs> you know? And And some of that has to do with he was rehabbing a knee injury during training camp. He was on the practice squad once the season began and then got elevated because of the Deontay Hardy injury. And then so he was seen mostly then as a kick return guy, a special teams guy. Then he got this other opportunity on offense and the Saints plugged him in where they could, but he barely participated in training camps because he was rehabbing his knee. He was on the practice squad, so he wasn't massively a part of like being on the practice squad is not the place that you go when you're like, okay, here's your role. (laughs) Here's here's what we're going to carve out for you. You know, you try to make sure that they get things that they're understanding and that they're they're ready to go in case they're called upon. But you're usually focused on a specific role if you're a practice squad guy. You're not learning the entire this, that and the other. You're learning the playbook. You're learning the offense, but you're learning your role within. You're not expanding your role. But then once he got onto the active roster and was like, okay, well, they put the ball in his hands, the guy scores touchdowns, one-to-one, right? Then it became, okay, get him more involved in the offense, but you got to teach him. He has to learn. He's got to learn, okay, he, okay, now 
you you know those routes, you know these pieces, you know this concept, but now take that, we're going to import that into, we're going to, uh, we're going to import that rather into this part of the offense and get you more involved here, so on and so forth. And so his role had to grow. And it was frustrating to watch because you think to yourself, well, he touches the ball, he scores touchdowns, just give him the ball. But it's, that's, that's just, I mean, like not to be diminishing about it, but that's just not how football works. Like there's so many other things that go there. You have to be ready. Do you even know how to run that route in this concept relative to the other routes that are being run? Do you know how to run that route in this play call from this formation in this personnel group against this coverage? No, you probably don't. So you need time to figure all that out. Well, now Rashid Shahid has figured all that out and look at him. He's making plays everywhere all over the field. He's selling his routes. He's running crisper routes. He's doing all these other things. So now like that whole learning curve that kept Rashid Shahid from being the impact player that everyone knew that he could have been early on during his rookie season, that whole learning curve is out of the way, is out of the way. He knows the playbook. He knows the roles. He knows how to run the concepts across multiple formations, personnel groups, situations, down and distance, all these other things, all the sort of nuances that you have to know. It's not just as simple as, well, go out on the field, run something, and we'll throw you the ball. It doesn't work that way. So now that whole learning curve is out of the way. And that's why there's a lot of excitement around Rashid Shahid. And that same learning curve was present for Chris Olave to maybe a lesser extent because he was able to participate throughout training camp. He was built into the offense for the very beginning, but now he's going into a second year of training camp, a second year of an offseason install with the team, a second year within the New Orleans Saints offense, and with a quarterback that hopefully can play all 17 games for you as opposed to being built into an offense that represented one quarterback only to have a quarterback of the like completely diametrically opposed player uh, come in and be the quarterback for that offense and Andy Dalton versus an offense that was built for Jameis Winston. So now all of those roadblocks are out of the way. And so Derek Carr making a connection with these players is a greater representative, great, more greater, how to, more greatly representative of what those players roles will actually be during the season, which is important. And then B or two, can't remember if I started off with numbers or letters there. Um, you're playing and building chemistry with a quarterback that you expect to be your 17 game quarterback. So it's huge, huge for this moment. So that's the last thing that I, I'm going to mention in terms of like what we're looking for on the offense for OTAs tomorrow. You want defense come through for tomorrow morning's episode, the Tuesday morning episode, and then we'll have that done. Uh, I'm going to take a little bit of a break from uh, from live streams. For a few days this week, uh, Tuesday, tomorrow, we'll be back with a live stream. Not going to do one tonight. I've got to edit everything for the NBA mock draft that we're doing here on Locked On. Once I'm clear of that, then we'll get back to the nightly nightly uh, live streams. I, I just need to have some space to do the um, to do the the editing for the the mock draft. So once that's all done and submitted and all that other stuff, then then we're right back to it. But don't expect a live stream tonight on Monday. Don't expect one on Friday. Tuesday, we'll definitely have one though as we come back from OTAs. All right, y'all. As always, appreciate you for making me a part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, say hi. And if you want to keep that conversation going with me, head over to joinsubtext.com slash locked on saints. If you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you that nation. I'll holla at you.